chapter 20. Look at verse 16 this morning. So let me pray and then we'll read the scripture. Father, we do thank you for speaking your word to us at many times and in various ways, but especially by sending Jesus Christ, the word, your son, into the world to disclose who you are, to disclose your will to us. And it's in his name as the supreme uh, Revelation, the supreme witness to you that we come and we ask that um, you would teach us by your word this morning, that you would open our hearts to receive it and to be changed by it into the likeness of your son. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Exodus 20, verses 1 and 2 and then 16. And God spoke all these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. So, um, look at uh, bearing false witness against your neighbor, uh, which comes after a few very brief, uh, very succinct um, commandments. You you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery. Um, That... uh, This is a a little bit tricky for us to understand, I think. Most people acknowledge freely that lying is is a bad thing, generally, that deceit is a bad thing. Um, I don't know if you're you're anything like me. Um, You see these sitcoms come on the show that there will be an episode of Friends or some other show that, you know, Seinfeld, where people are, are... building just these, uh, it's like a house of cards made out of lies, right? Where somebody starts off with a lie, and then they've got to keep that lie going by telling another lie, and then this person believes the lie, and they've got to lie in another way over here, and it's just is like, it's horrifying. I, I get like the sickening <laughs> feeling in me. Maybe you can't relate to me or something, but um, <clears throat> they just weave these tangled webs of lies, right? And you're just like, no, no, don't do that. Just tell the truth. Just tell the truth before it gets worse. <laughs> And, um, and so yeah, I think that's playing off a, a general consensus that we, we believe it's better to be honest, right? It's better to tell the truth up front and not get into trouble and not have all the terrible ramifications of what happens when you build uh, false reality for yourself and for your friends. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so the, the cultural ge- uh, will generally think uh, poorly about lying. <clears throat> but let me give just this caveat, and it's a little bit enticing, and we'll follow up maybe more on it during the sermon discussion. Uh, just like the sixth commandment, you shall not murder, uh, does not actually forbid all killing, right? because there's, for example, uh, killing that is done um, uh, by governments in war with one another. Um, just as the sixth commandment doesn't forbid all killing, actually this commandment, the ninth commandment, doesn't forbid all deceit. Um, there are there are ways in which we deceive ourselves that are uh, not ourselves, but each other that are um, that are fun or playful, or that are artistic, right? So John Frame writes uh, that a lie 
is a word or act that intentionally deceives a neighbor in order to hurt him. Right, so in that sense, uh, that's what we're going to talk about this morning. But that, in, that excludes untruths that come from edifying devices. So imagine um, misleading your fiancé about where you're going to take her as you, you know, or your soon-to-be fiancé, uh, where you're going to take her to propose to her, right? Uh, maybe you're going to mislead. Maybe you're not going to divulge all the plans of your day. Maybe you're going to s- subtly deceive her. Edifying devices, honest mistakes, you know, where you speak the untruth and you didn't even know that it was untruth. Honest fictions, so you're writing, uh, you know, literature, which is f- false. It doesn't reflect reality in some ways. Um, games, you know, you're playing a game of cards and you hold your cards close. You don't let others know. Uh, you bluff, etc. Magic tricks and, for the most part, jokes, right? All these things are um, they're kind of fun and harmless and helpful lies that, uh, or deceits that um, they're actually permissible. But, uh, <clears throat> but John Frame goes on and he, he talks about, again, We'll talk more about this during the sermon discussion. There are, there are ways in which, um, you know, that, that, uh, that most famous of moral dilemmas, what happens in, um, you know, World War II Germany when the Nazis come knocking on your door and you've been hiding Jews and they demand to know whether there are Jews in the house, do you tell them? And um, you, can, you can say, no, it's okay to deceive them. Uh, we'll talk about why and what all that means later. We're not going to talk about everything with regard to lying this morning. But John Frame continues and he says, in the Ninth Commandment, the requirement to tell the truth is conditioned on a relationship, that of a neighbor, right? Because that's what the text says. It doesn't just say you shall not lie or you shall not uh, ever tell a non-truth, right? It says, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. So there's this relationship of neighbor, which that word can be translated friend or companion, and, and when you think of it, um, uh, as this was originally given to Israel um, as a nation, who were their neighbors? It was the people within the nation of God. So it particularly um, immediately applies well to people inside the church, right? Uh, the way that we are with one another, we shall not intentionally deceive one another in order to harm one another. Uh, and it, it applies and it expands beyond that outside the walls of the church, but it, I think particularly and especially applies uh, in those relationships. So what I want to talk about this morning then is, as John Frame has defined a lie being a word or act that intentionally deceives a neighbor in order to hurt him, we're going to talk about a few ways that that externally manifests itself, how we do that actually in our relationships or, um, and so forth, and then what that looks like, what's going on inside of us, why that happens, uh, and then what the results are of that, and hopefully then how the gospel um, addresses all of it and moves us and compels us to be more like Christ, who uh, is the true witness from God uh, to witness about the truth. So <clears throat> first, uh, external ways that we break this commandment, and, and these can be... Um, <clears throat> Ways in which we actually distort the truth, so we're actually saying something that's untrue, or that we, um, we're evilly motivated in the ways that we speak true things. Right? We've distorted the purpose of the truth, uh, not just the content of the truth, but the purpose of it. Uh, the purpose of telling the truth, as uh, we see in Ephesians 4, is to, to speak the truth in love. We're building one another up. right? So every time that we speak the truth, it should be for the purpose of love and building others up. You can cut people down by speaking the truth pretty well, right? Um, So 
Uh, it can be a distortion of the content of the truth or a distortion of the purpose of the truth as it takes place in the community. So, for example, the, the, um, the, the first and, and easiest application of this, this is courtroom language. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. Right? So um, the ways that that would happen, you can imagine, are a few, um, but especially children probably can relate to this. When your mother discovers a uh, broken lamp in another part of the house and screams out, who broke the lamp? Um, and, and you point to your brother instead of raising your hand and saying, yeah, I broke the lamp, you point to your brother. That's, that's bearing false witness and it's against your neighbor, it's against your brother. Uh, who stole from the cookie jar, right? Who gave your sister a fat lip? Um, <clears throat> those are ways in which are pretty common to our everyday experience that we uh, distort the truth and, and we lie, we bear false witness against our neighbor. Um, this happens in the courtroom when um, false witnesses are hired to lie in court as perjury, right? Uh, that's what happened to Jesus. Uh, they were looking desperately for false witnesses to match up in their testimony against Jesus so that they could condemn him to death. Um, uh, there's a whole range of ways in, in which uh, perjury is an application of it. I mean, it's, a, it's an external breaking of the ninth commandment. You've got um, things like slander, Right? Bearing false witness against, you're, you're tearing down your neighbor's reputation. This is especially prevalent on the blogs these days where, um, uh, where Christians have been known to, uh, to just bite and devour and tear down fellow Christians, right? accusing them of being so far from the truth that they can't possibly be Christians, that they're actually spiritually dead or worse, right? Christians speaking about other Christians this way. Slander, right? Uh, tearing down somebody's reputation with things that are um, maybe false, maybe true. But um, it's the motive there. It's to, to speak evil of someone. It's speaking against someone. And then uh, probably rampant in the church, again, is, uh, is gossip, right? We've all participated. We've all given the pietistic reasons, you know, you really should pray for this person because, uh, you know, they really struck, struggle with pornography. Or let's pray for this couple because their marriage is falling apart because he's a jerk and she's cheating on him, or, right? <laughs> I mean, we, we've all been around or maybe committed that sin ourselves, gossip where we are tearing others down in the church um, and 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 we even cover it up with religious language. So uh, you've got gossip and slander, you've got insinuations, you've got perjury, um, and about that uh, spectrum of ways in which we can uh, externally break this commandment, Calvin says that, um, John Calvin says, we delight in a certain poisoned sweetness experienced in ferreting out and in disclosing the evils of others. So when we can figure out what those evils are and then broadcast them in ways, um, it, it's like a certain poisoned sweetness to us, right? And the scriptures put it this way, Proverbs 18, the words of a whisperer are like delicious morsels. They go down into the inner parts of the body, right? So we love to gossip and we love to participate in slander. We love to do things that tear each other down. 
There are other ways in which we break this uh, commandment. Um, you know, most of those ways are, are ways in which you speak about other people. You know, you just think if, if, uh, if they heard what you said and if you feel bad about it, that's probably a breaking of the commandment. But you're speaking about them, maybe behind their back or whatever or uh, what have you. But um, ways in which we speak to each other are also um, bearing false witness against our neighbor in some ways. Uh, there, we can use a, we can use language condescendingly. Right? Just put ourselves over, uh, get get one up on another person in the way that we use our language, or there's kind of a positive way in which we do this when we flatter each other, right? Um, because flattery is a way to manipulate other people. We we manipulate we um, we bear false witness not um, not that we tear them down or are condescending in our language, but that we build them up falsely, right? Um, we're not using language accurately or well, and we're doing it in a way that um, distorts the, the relationship there. So um, flattery or manipulation, uh, bearing false witness positively in a sense. Um, and then you've got ways in which we speak the truth. It's actually the truth that we're telling, but we speak it with malice, right, to tear, uh, to tear people down and uh, hold something against them. Uh, we speak against them. And those are the ways in which we break this commandment with regard to our, um, some of the ways anyway, uh, with regard to our relationships. But um, maybe a more constant uh, way that we break this commandment is in our refusal to confess our own sins. Um, Because this commandment says, bear false witness against your neighbor. You're you're testifying something that is untrue against your neighbor to his detriment or her detriment. you could also be testifying something untrue about yourself and be breaking this commandment, right? Um, refusing to confess your own sin is testifying about yourself that you are better than you actually are, uh, that you're actually not as bad as maybe your sins would indicate that you are. So you're, we bear false witness against ourselves. So these are the external things. Internally, what's really going on inside of us when we're doing this <clears throat> is that we're, we're basically managing our own fate at other people's expense. Managing our own fate at the expense of uh, relationships, at the expense of uh, truth that has to exist between us. And, and in a way, I mean, this is a self-centeredness, just like a breaking all the other commandments is a, it's a self-centeredness. But this one, um, this one's a comparative self-centeredness. It's a competitive self-centeredness. Right? It's taking into account the fact that there are actually other people in the room, and I'm self-centered. I'm just better than them, and I'm going to tear them down. I'm going to use truth or lies in ways um, to, to put myself above them. <clears throat> um, that's what's going on inside of our hearts. So Jesus uh, talks about this, and again, as with all the other commandments, uh, these external breaking of the commandments, they, they come down to a root. They come down to what's going on inside of our heart. He says the good person in Luke 6, the good person out of the good treasure of his heart produces good, and the evil person out of his evil treasure produces evil, for out of the abundance of the heart his mouth speaks. So um, I think you can kind of boil this down, this, this selfishness, um, to... So two things, they're kind of the flip side of the same coin. Uh, first, when you're, when you're bearing false witness about yourself or you're bearing false witness about other people, um, one of the things that, that's going on inside of your heart uh, 
most often is fear. Right? Fear of loss. Fear of rejection. Uh, fear of punishment. If my mom found out that I was the one that broke the lamp, I'm going to be in big trouble. So I'm going to throw my brother under the bus instead. <laughs> right? That's, that's fear-driven deceit. Fear-driven false witness. Um, we do that for self-protection. We do that for self-preservation. We hide what's actually going on inside of us. And we project it out onto others. Right? Uh, we lie about the way things really are because we are just terrified that if, if people found out what's really going on inside of my heart or if they found out what I really did that manifested itself externally in the real world, um, they'd all hate me, they'd all reject me, I'd find myself in prison. Um, ultimately, I'd, I'd suffer God's judgment right? eternally. Um, so fear of that rejection, fear of that punishment drives us to to lie, to bury our sins, or to put them on somebody else, or to tear other people down so that they don't, so that, you know, hey, at least if somebody finds out my junk, that person's junk is worse because I've been spreading that around through gossip and slander, right? So at least I'll still be above that person, right? Um, and the flip side of that coin, um, rather than the fear of this loss, it's, it's more the positive pursuit of self-elevation, Right. Seeking the praise, seeking the approval of others. Ambition, arrogance, conceit, gain, uh, craving praise for witty remarks or for insightful comments about other people's lives. You know, these are things that, um, that it's a positive pursuit of that self-centeredness. And so George MacDonald, I think there's a quote there in the beginning of the bulletin, I think, um, by George MacDonald. Yes. He says, I always try, I think I do, to be truthful. All the same, I tell a great many petty lies, for example, things that mean one thing to myself, though another to other people, but I do not think lightly of it. Where I'm more often wrong is in tacitly pretending I hear things which I do not, especially jokes and good stories, the point of which I always miss. But seeing everyone laugh, I laugh too for the sake of not looking a fool. My respect for the world's opinion is my greatest stumbling block, I fear. My respect for the world's opinion is my greatest stumbling block. It's what drives him to tell those little petty lies, like laughing at a joke that he missed in a room so that other people could think that he got it, right? He's one of us because he got the joke. Uh, Respect for the world's opinion that might seem like a minor way in which you're misleading others, minor deceit, etc. But um, but it's something I think we can all relate to, and it gets down to the core. It's, it makes it easy to relate to what's going on inside of us. It's our uh, our love of praise, right? It's uh, it's that pursuit of the approval of others, and so <clears throat> that pursuit, that respect for the world's opinion. Um, you know, maybe, maybe we'll want to get money, so we'll go testify falsely in court, as the, as the folks did who put Jesus on the cross. Uh, or maybe we just want approval, or maybe we just want advancement in our various social um, institutions, advancement in the church, advancement at work, advancement in a relationship, 
uh, lying to that girl that you really like to get her to marry you, you know. Um, we've all probably done that in subtle ways, you know. <laughs> uh, we do that for our advancement because we're self-centered. And the results of that, then, what's going on inside of our hearts, that the fear of rejection or punishment or the, the desire for praise or approval, <clears throat> the results of that is it, it's just the complete disintegration of relationships. It's the complete disintegration of um, reality and relational realities especially <clears throat> you know first we deceive ourselves you know we actually do not know how bad we are we actually do not know every time that we sin because we fool ourselves we bear false witness about ourselves to our own hearts to our own minds right and so we've deceived ourselves and that that um that hardens us at a certain point and makes us unable to confess our sins. Right? Um, so a refusal to confess our own sins is a result of this. Um, and it throws up barriers to relationships, right? Because you can't have real relationships that are based on lies. You can't have real relationships where there's not uh, total honesty and transparency. Um, you, you're building... Uh, foundations for those relationships that are illusory if those relationships uh, are built on bearing false witness about the truth, about who you are, about who others are. Um, and, and ultimately then um, that, that creates uh, isolation. Right? Not only are we having relationships that aren't based on truth, but ultimately in the end we're just going to be alone. Because if you've got enough illusions built up around you, nobody knows you, you don't know anybody else, and that's, that's hell, right? Where you're alone in the dark with no relationships. Um, <clears throat> the results of this disintegration of the, the relational realities, our neighbors are torn down, right? Their reputations suffer, they get thrown under the bus, They're, there's injustice that takes place, Imagine that pretty easily with perjury in the courtroom, injustice or oppression when we bear false witness in some ways. Um, and ultimately then, keeping with the courtroom setting, there's contempt of court. There's contempt of heavenly court, right? Contempt of God's court. There's lawlessness. There's an attempt to supplant the lawgiver and the judge. Uh, James says in chapter 4 of his epistle, Do not speak evil against one another, brothers. The one who speaks against his brother or judges his brother speaks evil against the law and judges the law. But if you judge the law, you're not a doer of the law, but a judge. There's only one lawgiver and judge. He who is able to save and to destroy. But who are you to judge your neighbor? So the picture there is that if we're not keeping this commandment, then uh, it's like we're, we're standing up in God's courtroom demanding that he step down from his bench so that we can place ourselves there. Uh, if you do not keep God's law, you have placed yourself above it as a judge. And, um, and so uh, we'll be found in contempt of court by him, and we deserve to be. Um, but there's good news, right? There's good news in that um, the gospel, which is true, 
It's historical events which actually took place, which have a divine interpretation given to us by God himself. The truth, the, the true witness about God is, is exceedingly good news for people like us. Because what we fear, we've got to hide the truth, we've got to distort the truth, we've got to use the truth for our own purposes. What we fear is that truth uh, is not good for us, right? Ultimately, we're in trouble because of the truth. But that's not the final word. The gospel is the final word, and that is that the truth ultimately is good for you. And we need to be set free from ourselves, right? We need to be set free from those those fears. We need to be set free from those selfish uh, desires. And we need to be set free from our self-centeredness that, uh, that would have us put other people down through false witness. And, and Jesus said in John chapter 8, If you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will set you free. Right? He said, I am the way and the truth and the life in John 14. And in John 18, which we read in uh, this morning's gospel reading, he says, For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. And everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So there's a sense in which, uh, if you're a disciple of Christ, if you put your faith in him, uh, if you are one of God's people through Christ, then you hear the truth. You hear it when Jesus says it. And the truth is good news. It's the kind of news that sets you free. It's the kind of news that uh, sets you right in your relationship with God. <clears throat> and the truth is this, that, that people like us put Jesus on the cross through false witness, right? We bore false witness against our neighbor. It says in Matthew 26, the chief priests and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus that they might put him to death, but they found none though many false witnesses came forward, and at last two came forward. At last two met the biblical requirement of um, uh, agreeing and matching in their false testimony, right? Uh, matching their testimony so that Jesus could be condemned. That was people like us that put him on the cross. Uh, people who wanted to hide ourselves from God, hide the truth from God and from other people. People who wanted to advance uh, socially or um, monetarily, right, um, who wanted to advance by distorting the, tr- the truth and putting Christ on the cross, people like us who are hidden in his blood. He went there for us. The truth of the gospel is he let this happen to himself to set us free, right? We are now hidden in his blood. He who is crucified on the testimony of false witnesses, Christ gave his own perfect reputation, which is what we've been striving for by bearing false witness about ourselves, bearing false witness against our neighbors. We've been striving for this perfect reputation to craft it in God's sight. Christ gave us his perfect reputation, even though our reputation um, was terrible, even though we were unworthy of it. He had mercy on us. He could have destroyed us by bearing true witness against us. He could have st- stood there and, um, uh, as, our, as the prosecution in the case against us, but instead he stood at our defense as our advocate, right? as a lawyer stands on behalf of the, con- the, uh, <clears throat> the one who's going to be convicted. 
Even though we were guilty, he substituted his own righteousness for us and gave us his reputation. And in doing so, he has secured our forgiveness and he secured our glorification. Those are the things that we're looking for by bearing false witness, right? We're looking to hide and bury how terrible we are so that things will go well for us. And Christ does that for us. He, he buries our sin. He buries our true reputation in himself through his sacrifice. And he grants us glory, freely shares it, the glory that he deserves that we do not deserve. He gives it to us. And so, um, as Paul writes in 2 Corinthians chapter 1, all the promises of God find their yes in him. So promises are truths about the future that are assured to us. They're guaranteed to us because of Christ, because of who he is, because of what he's done for us. He's the, the yes stamp on that promise, right? All the promises of God find their yes in him. And so now whatever you feared, the truth about yourself, the truth about your relationships or your activities or your own heart, Whatever you feared to bear witness about, uh, whatever you wanted to hide, it is, it is gone. It is gone. Whatever you truly deserved um, from God was uh, suffered by Christ for you once and for all at the cross. And whatever glory you thought to gain for yourself through, uh, through that selfish ambition, through that um, pursuit of uh, praise... Is, is utterly surpassed in the glory that is freely shared with you in Christ, and it's guaranteed to you in his blood, right? To you, to me, people who are self-absorbed, people who are willing to throw our neighbors or our, our kin under the bus for our self-protection or, or, or for our praise, to people like us, God takes away all the grounds of our fears and he grants the hope of glory eternal and infinite in his presence by his grace. You and I would build barriers and illusions and false realities based on deceits and God breaches all those walls. He tears them down in his love. He invades our world and calls us into truth the truth that sets us free. Uh, he calls us into reality the way that it that really is in his sight and into relationship with himself. His son, who is the truth, he's the true witness, the word of God who never lies because God is true. The son is given to you. He's given for you right? as an absolute guarantee of all God's good promises towards you, as an absolute guarantee of God's favor to you, a sinner. And um, Jesus said in John 14, it's the spirit of truth. You know him, for he dwells with you and will be in you. He will bear witness about me. He will guide you into all the truth. So Jesus has sent his spirit, the spirit of truth, into our hearts to, to convict us of sin, right, to assure us of forgiveness, 
and to lead us into the truth, who, who Jesus is, to lead us to Christ, who is the truth himself. And so then the, there's renewal that takes place when this gospel uh, sinks into your heart. When you respond to it with faith, there's renewal that takes place. When you are secure in, in God's truth, you become secure enough to speak the truth in love, right? To, to actually let your words, the content of your words, match up with reality, and to do so for the purpose of love, not to tear other people down, right? not to build yourself up against them in some ways or manipulate them. The true knowledge of God as holy by itself, that truth would be terrifying for people like us. But now because of the gospel, we know God truly to be holy and gracious and merciful and loving to people like us. And so we have true relationship with him that's built on truth. Um, we're able to confess our sins. We're able to become humble and stop the self-deceit, stop the self-denial about our sins. We're finally free from needing to tweak reality to make ourselves look better, right? Whether it's look better in other people's sight or look better in our own sight, we're finally free from that. The truth has set us free from that. We can accept our part. We can accept and acknowledge our own sins and our participation in, in these relationships, right, instead of throwing other people under the bus. Uh, <clears throat> Romans 13, Paul writes that the one who loves another has fulfilled the law. For the commandments are summed up in this word, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Love does no wrong to a neighbor. Therefore, love is the fulfilling of the law. Right? So love, that's built on this truth, love in our hearts, enables us to be honest in our relationships with other people, not bear false witness against our neighbor. It enables us to be transparent and sincere and have integrity to speak the truth. And all of these then will be foundations for good relationships, right? Foundations for trust, foundations for friendship and intimacy, foundations for justice. Justice has to be built on the truth, true, true witness. And Paul again writes in Philippians 2, Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Look not only to your own reputation as that thing that you've got to preserve or advance. Look to the reputation of other people as something that you want to preserve or advance. You want to build up the reputation of other people. That means... That means not tearing them down with the truth. That means if they've done something that um, a lot of folks might consider worthy of gossip, uh, that might uh, tear, uh, just bring them down a notch, you don't participate in that, even if they've actually done it. Right? Because your concern for your neighbor's reputation, you know, you, reputation's a hard thing to build back up once it's been lost, right? So we don't tear it down with gossip. And we actually forgive other people who gossip against us we can forgive people who slander us and not disdain them and not speak evil of them, right? Not tear them down, even though in some ways their actions have deserved judgment. Right. Um, in Ephesians 4, having put away falsehood, let each of you speak the truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Right. It's that relationship that we have. We're to speak the truth in love. Because we have this relationship. And so then, yeah, maybe you're not going to tear down other people through gossip. 
Um, you're also not going to let them slide when you've seen them sin. Right. When you've seen things that really need to be addressed, you're not just going to for, forget all of it and, and not talk about it because it won't damage the reputation. Right? You're going to go to that person. You're going to find boldness to speak the truth in love in order to build them up. You're not going to live as if they didn't do that heinous thing, right? Because that's bearing false witness. Because we're members of one another and because Christ has uh, lovingly confronted us with truth, then we're going to lovingly confront each other with truth, right? And we're going to find our boldness and we're going to find our humility in the gospel for us. We can bear true witness uh, to the world about Christ. We can give testimony to Christ um, when we're freed up to confess our sins. This is especially helpful. I don't know if you've been able to employ this uh, tactic. It's more than a tactic or a strategy, uh, as if it were devious, but um, uh, surprising people with the fact that uh, you're able to freely confess your sins to them. When here they thought Christians were people who were only hypocrites, people who only thought uh, well and highly of themselves, right? People who had that holier-than-thou attitude that if you become a Christian, you can be like me. Look how great I am. The truth frees us up to acknowledge I am not great, right? I'm just a, a desperately thirsty beggar looking to point another person who is exactly like him to Christ, so the confession of our sins, which we're freed to do by the truth of the gospel, can be um, a way for us to testify to the grace of God that wins others over. Right? Helmut Tielica says that the avoidance of one small fib may be a stronger confession of faith than a whole Christian philosophy championed in lengthy, forceful discussion. Right? The fact that we're freed up to tell the truth about ourselves, to, to tell things the way they really are, um, is a testimony to, to God. It's a testimony to Christ and his work in us. And John Frames will close up with this. He, um, he said that there was one time he, he actually scoured the, the Bible using a concordance trying to find an instance of where God commands us to be his witnesses. Trying to find something that says, be my witnesses. And he couldn't find any. He couldn't find any instance of a direct command to actually do what we would consider evangelism, right? To, to actually bear witness to God. And, um, and he says, this is why, God has already made us witnesses. We have no choice in the matter. He does not command us to be witnesses because we already are. We can witness truly or falsely, but we cannot avoid witnesses. If you've put your faith in Christ, if you're one of God's people, then you bear witness about God, whether you like it or not, whether you mean to or not, whether you do it well or not. And um, I think we need to let the gospel work in us so that we would do it well, so that we would bear witness to God as he truly is, bear witness to his gospel of grace. We're called ultimately to bear true witness to the one who's true, to his grace that frees us from any need to engage in deception. Right, so let's do that. Uh, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, there are so many ways in which we deceive ourselves or deceive our neighbors. 
in order to cover what's going on inside of us or in order to gain something that we feel we need. We do this so frequently we don't even know it. And we do not expect that you would um, tell us every time that we do it. But we pray that increasingly, more and more, you would make us aware of the, the places and the times where we bear false witness about ourselves or about others. That you would make us aware of that, but especially that you would make us more constantly aware of the gospel that the truth that sets us free would do its work in our hearts to make us less and less the kind of people who distort reality for our own gain and more and more the kind of people who follow in the footsteps of your son who held his tongue when he was being falsely accused, when he was being slandered, When people were lying about him in order to put him to death, he held his tongue. He kept his mouth silent as a sheep before its shearers is silent, so he uttered not a word. And there's uh, something beautiful about this because he did it for our sake. We know your love. We know the truth of your love for us because of him, because of who he is and because of what he's done for us. We pray that that truth would permeate our souls and that it would constantly be filling filling up our minds so that we would be truly free from ourselves, from self-deceit and bearing false witness against our neighbors. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.